It is season two, episode 21. It's either the Three Touchdown Show or the Roberto Clemente. I prefer Roberto Clemente. And I, I think, oh, look at that. Evan, what's that behind you? Uh, it is, it's a video uh, filter. It is uh, for the United States Athletic Hall of Fame, which is um, active and able to be voted on. Roberto Clemente is one of those people. So vote today, vote tomorrow. You can't vote all the time every day, but you can vote every day. And it's going, we're going to announce the first winner next Juneteenth, Juneteenth, not this Juneteenth, but next Juneteenth. So we're pretty excited about that. I think we've cornered the market yep. in Juneteenth sports. Someone had to. I suppose. <laughs> Why not two white guys? Yeah, Canadian and American. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. Guy, okay. A guy who uh, who uh, Kyrie Irving believes is raised in the uh, most racist city in America. So. I don't think he's ever said that about Spitestone Barbados once. <laughs> no. Anyway, we'll talk about Kyrie later. Okay. Uh, do we want to open up with, I mean, there is an announcement, uh, Hall of Fame related, the College Football Hall of Fame, but my God, uh, there's 200 nominees. Uh, we're not going through all of that. There are a lot of them. Um, I think the most in, there are some interesting ones. There's some like, oh my goodness, I remember him, like Michael Bishop, mm-hmm. uh, former Patriots great, uh, and by great I mean practice squad member. Uh, but like the one I think is most interesting is Reggie Bush. Yes. Uh, so if he makes a college football Hall of Fame, does he automatically get his Heisman back? You know, that, that's a really good question. I was sort of, uh, I have Chris, visions of Chris Weber in my head, uh, you, you know, with this, because he gave back his Heisman, but they never necessarily, they didn't forfeit any wins, did they? USC? I have, I have no recollection. I, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, we all know Reggie Bush might have give, gave back the Heisman. Reggie Bush won the Heisman, period. Yeah. Reggie Bush is one of the most exciting college players ever. I hope he gets in. I really do. He should. He yeah. should get in. It's, uh, the whole NCAA thing of this never happened is all very, very strange. Like uh, UMass has still never been to a Final Four, despite what you saw with Micah's Candy and Lou Rowe. Like, like it's just – and it's all because, like, it didn't happen because Marcus – someone gave Marcus Camby a necklace. Like, it's just – it's dumb the way they do things. But again, CNCAA, they I, don't do anything particularly correctly. So. I would think that if they w- could have found out what every one of the, what every player has done in every final four, everything would be vacated. And a lot of that is because you're taking people from disenfranchised backgrounds, making them stars and not letting them make any money off their stars and not even allowed to even go work at McDonald's for fuck's sakes. Right. Like they can't take an internship somewhere, but if they were any other position at that school, if they were a star biologist, mm-hmm. they could go do whatever they wanted, even if they're on full scholarship. But the moment they're an athlete, now it's a problem. And I, and I understand like getting cars and I understand things like that, but like not letting people work. Right. Or make money off their own likeness. Yeah, well, Ed, Ed O'Bannon, good on you on that one. We'll see yeah. if anything ever gets done. I mean, that, that's still being held up by the NCAA waiting for Congress to get involved, which is always a great idea. Um, 
but yeah, we'll we'll see. They got to do something about that. Jay Billis is going to explode if they don't soon. So yeah, and, and looking through the rest of this list, I mean, I think like every single one of these guys is worthy of the College Football Hall of Fame. I think what they do wrong, just build up some excitement. Pair it already down to thirty. Play with this. You can do you can do it at this point. I don't see why you can't get people more excited because there's a reason why every time they announce their their uh, finalists, it doesn't get a lot of press because who really wants to go through all that? Well, well, it's not only that; it's they haven't even inducted the previous class yet. <laughs> That's true too. Yeah. Well. It's, it's like a weird, and, and, and it's not a COVID thing. They do this every year, yeah. where they're like, "Here are finalists for next year." Oh, and think of something else. Oh yeah, like here are our finalists for next year, and you can vote for them. But we—it's like almost taking away from their current class. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. It's so. the best thing they ever did, was, and you talked about that, uh, God, many, many, maybe a year ago on the show. Uh, that the best thing they did was really move. Hmm. Yeah, I was at the old one in uh, in uh, South Bend. Um, they moved to Atlanta, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, it, South Bend. It got looted. Oh, that's right. It did get looted. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, the one in South Bend just looked like it had been looted. Uh, no, but uh, it, uh, yeah, the one in South Bend was nice. But when I was there, uh, as people may or may not know, my brother uh, was a sports media director for Notre Dame. Uh, and the play-by-play announcer for the basketball team, he actually just retired. Uh, this year so I went down there with him one time and it was cool but it was all sort of falling apart mm-hmm. it had the uh it had the visage of like like a uh the tea, the enchanted tiki room at uh at Disney World like I guess it was cool at one point but definitely the seen its best days um it, it, it was that was very much the uh college football hall of fame so I'm glad they moved it um, because again, South Bend is not exactly a tourist mecca, um, and there are going to be more people who are going to see it in Atlanta. Although, to be fair, most Hall of Fames aren't in, like, who's going to Canton, Ohio, except for the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Who's going to Springfield, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. except for the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame? Like, unless you're going with any kind of specific purpose. Even then, although I, I although I did go to Cleveland for the purpose of the Rock Hall. Yeah, I, I mean I've been to the Rock Hall several times um, over the years, uh, and but I mean good thing about Cleveland, even if you don't really feel like it's hanging out, Cleveland's right on I ninety. So if you got to drive from Boston to Seattle, uh, you can just you hit Cleveland no matter what you want on the way. You also hit Chicago, which is more I guess interesting. But you want to stop at the Rock Hall, there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean Canton is two hours away from anything useful so um yeah about that i think uh only when i had that possible job in cleveland uh, that i managed to go down there to to go go see that taking my wife to the rock hall was easy convincing her to go to the pro football hall eh. now think about though i-90 the basketball hall of fame is also an i-90 the boxing hall of fame is on i-90 because i've seen signs for that before the circus hall of fame i believe is an i-90 isn't the baseball hall of fame? There's a sign off of I-90. Town is not far off I-90 as well. So like, apparently that's where the hall of fames are. Well, that's why that's the hall of fame highway. There we go. We've just rechristened. There we go. We've rechristened I-90. There we go. 
Nice. I, I don't know if I've said this before. My favorite random fight between states is on I-90. Uh, and there's a sign in Western Massachusetts saying that whatever the height is in this town is the highest point on I-90 somehow. Mm-hmm. And it hauls out some point in South Dakota that is six feet less than this height in Massachusetts. And I just think it's hilarious that like someone was driving through South Dakota like, wait a second. This is shorter than Massachusetts mentions. Like we are regaining our state pride by fighting a random place in South Dakota for highest elevation on a random interstate. That might be the two most random states to get into an argument, I would think. Massachusetts and South Dakota. Yeah, South Dakota and Massachusetts do not have a lot to argue about usually. I would think not. That maybe because they even not even college hockey that's a north dakota thing i don't think south dakota is any good at college hockey as far as i, I know i think you're correct yeah uh, is there any name that also stuck out on this list because again we don't want to go through right uh, i mean as a patriots fan i'm very excited to see kevin falk here mm-hmm. i mean there are a lot of great players i mean everyone from people like tony gonzalez and uh and uh troy vincent is here andrew luck is here um julius peppers like, there's some really good people. And then there's some people who are like, oh, yeah. Don't you remember who was the one I was like, who did that for me? Uh, Robert Gallery. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah, I remember him. He was awesome in college and not very good in, for the Raiders. It, it, uh, it's fascinating how many your boomer bust and, like, everywhere in between, like, when it comes to the pros. How about, how about Josh Hoipel, runner-up for the 2000 yeah. uh, Heisman? I know. Uh, I remember him. It's it was then. Was there another one? I think he's already in the college hall. Who was like super, like a super stud at a, it's Oklahoma, right? Yeah, he was Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, Eric Crouch. Yeah, Crouch. I don't know if he's in or not, but yeah, I think sort of- I think he might be. I, I could be mistaken on that. Uh, actually, I'm just looking at the list here. Uh, like Tim Couch, like what a bust mm-hmm. he was. But that's not what this is about. That is not what this is about, yeah. So, no, it's it's an interesting group of people. Um, I, it, I mean, they could select, like, how many people even get in? I think it's like a dozen, but, again, they're not very transparent. Another sort of issue with that. And they, they just – they're, they're doing themselves no, no service. They could really find a way to build up. They've got a market really cornered on this because college basketball Hall of Fame, let's be honest, not a lot of people really care about that, especially when the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame honors college achievements. Right. And it's not going to get any better for them, especially when there's a lot of great players coming up who will never play college ball. Right. I mean, the person who, if he was healthy the whole year, he still might be because they haven't announced the rookie of the year yet, have they? In the NBA? I don't think no, so. No, they don't do that yet. They, they have, like, the uh, NBA honors now, remember? Right. Well, yeah, but, I mean, they've already announced the most improved player. The sixth uh-huh. man is already awarded. So, they've got uh, – so, I think uh, – anyway, moving on from that. So, LaMelo Ball is the person who still might win the rookie of the year. He never played college. True. And we're going to see more and more and more of that. Even just if we look at the last big class in the Naismith Hall, Duncan didn't play college. Kobe didn't play college. Chris Bosh isn't going to get in. Duncan played college. He played at Wake Forest. Did I say Duncan? I meant Garnett. Sorry. 
Garnett. Yeah, Garnett didn't play at all. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I meant Garnett. So Garnett didn't play. Kobe didn't play. Uh, Bosch from this year, he had one year at Georgia Tech. He's, they're not going to put him in for that. Right. It's, it's not going to be a star-driven hall where this one can, can be. And you're a bigger deal as a college football player than as a college basketball player. You just are. So they're, they're really doing themselves a disservice. But that's, that's on them. It's not, it's not like we don't see that all the time. Right. Well, to answer your question, they've only named six-man and most improved player of the year uh, this year for 2021 so far. So. Okay. All right. So, so Jordan, Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson was six man. Julius yeah. Randle was the most proved player. Oh, and Giannis was the All Star MVP. But we knew that. <laughs> Those are the ones they learned. Giannis, yeah. Uh, uh, should we move into? Because you you said you had uh, some questions for me before we got into our regular segment. Okay. Well, I, I had a couple questions. So one with the I do want to point out again, going back to my backdrop, that we did have uh, the retirement or announced retirement of one of the greatest coaches of yep. all time. Love him or hate him, and a lot of people hate him. Uh, Coach Krzyzewski, mm-hmm. uh, or as they used to say in the old Bud Light commercial, yes, I'm Mr. Krzyzewski. You mean Coach Krzyzewski? Yes, yes, I am. Um, but Coach K is retiring at the end of the year following Roy Williams mm-hmm. out the door, who just retired this year. So there's a big. we're going to have a big change, I think, coming over here for all the – long-time names in college basketball. Um, but it, it, our, I'm not surprised Coach K is retiring. Uh, I'd say it's probably about time. He's uh, – how, how old is he now? He's 74 years old. I didn't know he was that old. I mean, you, you have to assume he is because he's been around so long, but he looks pretty damn good for 74. He's five years older than Belichick. Okay. Both of whom are eligible for the United Both States. Of the United States uh, but yeah. Do you think Coach K will end on a reasonably high note? Because he didn't make the tournament this year. Cor- uh, correct. Yeah. Right? Yeah. North Carolina didn't either. No. Wait. North Carolina did and Duke didn't. That's what it was. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, hopefully it'll be a reasonably high note for him. Um, I mean, he's been around forever he's his credentials are impeccable if you're gonna do a Mount Rushmore of college basketball coaches he's one of your four yeah so absolutely absolutely you you can debate I think it's I think you start with Wooden and him and then you debate who the other two people are yeah so uh is it Henry Iba is it is it Roy Williams is it Bobby Knight like you pick who else whoever else you want to talk about Mm -hmm. uh but those are those are the those are the uh, Lincoln and Washington of, uh, of the college basketball coaches, not Rushmore. So, but, but good for him. So yeah. going out when he wants. Um, now the co- question I wanted to ask you, another retirement that happened today is with the Celtics. Celtics were eliminated by the Nets yesterday for the playoffs. Uh, there are a lot of Nets fans, which first of all, they're Nets fans. But uh, there are a lot of Nets fans on the internet saying how embarrassing it is for the Celtics to have all those trades where they took all the draft picks and then get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs, to which I say the trades got us Brown and and Tatum, and none of the players you got have anything to do with those trades. Right. Like Durant, Harden, and Irving signed with you as free agents. It has nothing to do with the trades. Congratulations. 
the only reason you have those players is in, are the Knicks are a terrible place to play for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like the ownership is so bad that nobody wanted to go there. Mm-hmm. Regardless, as a as a result today, uh, Danny Ainge retired as the head of basketball operations, and they took Brad Stevens and moved him up into the general manager or the head of base basketball operations, essentially the general manager mm-hmm. for the Celtics. Uh, he's 44, which is the exact same age Ainge was, believe it or not, when he took over the same role for the Celtics. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, yeah, he's retiring at 62. And he's saying this is an actual retirement. And I think it actually might be. He had a heart attack a couple of years ago mm-hmm. during the playoffs. And I think it's a legitimate thing that he may just be like, done. why am I doing this? He's got championship as a player. He's got championship as a executive. He was a Toronto Blue Jay. Yes. Like, there's, <laughs> there's nothing else for him. Like, he's honestly one of the forgotten multi-sport athletes. He played in both the major leagues and the NBA, which I don't know. Has anyone else really done that? I got to look that up. I, I don't know if anyone's done that since. I mean, I'm sure there are people who could have, but right. they did. Did Chuck, did Chuck Connors do that? He may have as well, and he was an actor as well. I think Chuck Connors might have played baseball as well at one point. But regardless, there aren't that many people who have done that. And certainly not, not that many white dudes have played professionally in two separate sports, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't have much to go for. I hear they're literally like him with the Jazz. I hear that if they, uh, they make a change in Portland, where he's originally from, they want him to go there. I think he may just be done, which leads to my question. Is Danny Ainge someone who you think might be elected as an executive into the Basketball Hall of Fame? I think he's got the credentials for it, yeah. I mean, he has one championship. He's got six uh, conference, uh, six conference finals appearances. He's got three NBA finals appearances as an executive. Eighteen years in the role, known as Trader Danny, right? Which probably hurt him at the end because nobody wanted to make a deal with him. I don't know what their real credentials are, but he was eighteen years for one of the signature franchises and won a championship and drafted. Two players who are one who seems like a, if he continues a lock for the Hall of Fame, the other one who still could develop into someone who, if they win a ch- couple championships together, is Scotty Pippen yeah. to, J- to Tatum's Jordan. Uh, it's possibly draft two Hall of Famers. He certainly had a team with three Hall of Famers that he put together that won one and probably should have won at least two titles, if not for a couple of injuries. I think he's worthy of consideration. I do think that his overall career helps him. Because, again, we don't really know who's on this committee. Right. So it's not within, out of the realm of possibility that he gets almost like this, the version of a Lifetime Achievement Award. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, because he, he had the professional career. He was a great college player as well mm-hmm. uh, at BYU. So it's entirely possible he could get the Lifetime Achievement as a uh, as an executive, probably not for his coaching. The most thing I remember as coaching is he got the towel thrown in his face when he was the coach of the Suns. I, I, uh, I forgot all about that. Jesus. Yeah, I can't even remember who did it. I just remember he got the towel thrown in his face. Um, so actually, you know, random story. I actually once saw him talking on his phone to, I believe, another general manager outside of Chipotle in Waltham, Massachusetts. <laughs> I went in there for lunch probably five or six years ago. And he, Danny Ainge was just out front talking on his phone about some sort of trade at the time. So 
He's very, he's much taller than I anticipated because you think of him as a short guy. He's still like six, four. <laughs> so I don't even know how tall you are. I am the average height of the American male. I'm just like a shade under 5'10". Okay. Right. Assume you're uh, if, I, if my hair grows high enough, I'm like 5'9 and 7 eighths. So okay. if my hair is high enough, I'm 5'10". So I am, I am very nondescript. I'm a white dude with average color eyes, average color hair, average height. You know. So Joe Walsh said just an ordinary average guy. Yeah. So anyway. Um, yeah, but I, that was one of the questions. The other question I have for you is, with okay. Montreal and Winnipeg playing for the soul of Canada in the NHL, <laughs> um, this, it got me thinking. So what would be the matchup that would – I'd imagine that nobody really cares about Winnipeg. Outside of Winnipeg, that would be accurate. And I'm sure a lot of people have strong feelings about Montreal. Yes. Right, in Canada, right? so. What would be the matchup between Canadian teams in this division – that would be the one that people had the least issue with, wouldn't literally care one way or the other who won. And which one would be the one that would be like, I just want a bomb to drop and both teams be eliminated? Like, There is a lot of hatred towards Vancouver. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of that stems from both of, or a lot of that stems from just the fans being complete assholes, uh, rioting after they lost. Yeah. You didn't win, you lost. Like, it was that was that was an embarrassment to the city, and a lot of my Vancouverite friends are embarrassed for that. Uh, hmm. Because I feel like my, from an American's perspective, I presume it's just everyone hates the Maple Leafs and everyone hates Canadians. But the Vancouver is carved out for Vancouver's carved out a special niche as a for a franchise that's never won a damn thing. They have. I think if there was like one, if it was like an Ottawa versus Winnipeg, then would be sort of the worst rated mm -hmm. in in Canada in terms of television ratings. It's still too exceptionally well, but that, that that that's a Jacksonville Cardinals Super Bowl, more or less. Yeah, although Canadians would still watch that. Montreal, Toronto, though, I mean, it, there's even if you hate both teams, it, there's something special about that. It really was. My dad, my dad watched the last 20 minutes of that game. Watch, watch Toronto, Toronto all over itself again. Oh, I love that. That, that I can, I can accept being an Ottawa Senators fan and knowing that my team is always going to suck as long as Toronto never wins. As bad as. As bad as the Senators have been the last few years, you still want a playoff series more recently, multiple playoff series more recently than Toronto has. That's so true, yes. Yeah, Toronto always finds new ways to lose. Toronto will forever be – well, you know, I'm sure a lot of people said that about the Cubs and the Red Sox. But it just feels yeah. – Permanent with the with the well, I'll Put it this way though: the longest streak for not winning the Stanley Cup in NHL history is the Rangers, who went from 1940 to 1994, 54 years. Do the math. When's the last time Toronto won the Stanley Cup? 67. That's 54 years ago. So that's a new. Okay. Well, there haven't been 54 Stanley Cups because of the 2004 strike. So it's only technically 53, mm -hmm. but 
they're basically by they're not going to win this year. If they don't win next year, they will officially set their new record for futility Love it. and not winning the Stanley Cup. And by the way, just to show you how long it's been, 1994 was ago. 1994 is 27 years ago. That's halfway to the Rangers being back to 54 years. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still sort of like stuck though, stuck on stupid on, on the original question. Like which one would be the one where, I don't know. I mean, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, Vancouver, I think would be huge. Edmonton, as much as they've, they've had that past tradition, realistically, it was so long ago. Yeah. That, again, Edmonton, you're a fan if you're in northern Alberta. You're a fan of Calgary. If you're, so that whole province, which isn't the biggest province to begin with either, in terms of population, right. the size obviously. Right. So, like, that split. Saskatchewan, I don't really know how, where, where they sort of fall. Probably more Winnipeg, I would think. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just interesting. And just, by the way, Edmonton. Mm -hmm. I will never say, I watched a lot of that series because that was on late here. So I got to watch that like before I was do, while doing dishes, before I went to bed, everything. I will never say a bad word about Leon Dreisaitl. I love everything about the way he plays. Connor McDavid is a lazy, lazy player. And they are not going to win anything until he grows some ability to actually fight for stuff. Yeah, uh... For someone who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, he wilts. And, but, you know, I, I, used to, I used to say the same thing about Ovechkin. Uh, not because he wasn't a fighter, but just because he, was, he couldn't make anyone around him better. He didn't learn that until, he, until his 30s. Well, Ovechkin's team hasn't made it out of the first round since they won the Stanley Cup. No, but I, I, I used to say up and down, Ovechkin will never win shit. Mm. internationally or in the NHL. So yeah, well, it took, took 10 years for that to eventually be proven wrong, but it, hey, he, but, he did it. He's got the one. You can't, you can't say anything about it. He's, he's got no, the that, one. That's very true. I can't say that anymore. No. Do we go to, we got three segments left. It's going to be a short show. We've got two of which are yours. Uh, the death March. Yep. And with a, with a quiet, just by the way, a quiet, uh, well, when we do that, and then I'll, I'll do my elevator up and down, and I think yours, you should be the hammer again, because I think you've got a lot, you've got quite a lot to say, and I don't have anything controversial on mine. All right, so we'll start, we'll start here. Um, so we'll start in the world of uh, football. Uh, so the first person is Jim Bierne, who's uh, also his son, Kevin Bierne, played in Major League Baseball as a pitcher. But uh, Jim Bierne was a wide receiver and tight end in the AFL, an AFL All-Star in 1969, played from 68 through 76 with the Oilers and Chargers, uh, passed away earlier this week at the age of 74 in Texas. Uh, but so again, one of the – there are so many people – we've talked about this before. There are so many people from the AFL who they have not done – right by with the Professional Football Hall of Fame. Uh, pro, uh, and they, I mean, they had the 100th anniversary and we got one AFL guy uh, from uh, uh, Jets, who I can't think of. Um, what was name? Why can't of Jets, why can't I think of his name? Uh, Winston, Hill. Winston, Winston Hill. Winston Hill was part, okay. Yeah, Winston Hill was part of the AFL. He's the only one 
from the AFL from that whole group that they put in. Uh, there are a ton of them still left uh, who they need to work on. But again, somebody else who they might want to think of at some point. Um, we also lost uh, from the world of boxing. Uh, hold on, wrong place. Keith Mullings, uh, who was uh, Jamaican. He died at the age of only 53, but he was the um, uh, he beat Lanil Light. Uh, he he uh, yeah he beat Terry Norris to win the Light Middleweight Championship in 1997. Uh, defended it once and then lost his belt in 1999. But he was the middleweight champion of the world um, back for a couple of years back in the late 90s. Passed at only the age of 53. Uh, I don't know for what. Mm. He reti retired back in 2000 and, uh, 2001. Um, from the world of uh, wrestling, we lost uh, Tony Marino from the WWE, known as Batman, Devil Blue, Dino Lanza, and Tony Marino. He wrestled under, uh, wrestled from 54 to 87. He was 5'9", 235. Uh, so essentially, not the biggest guy in the world. Um, but he was, he was a jobber with the WWF in 63 and then became Batman in 66 with the, with the uh, sweep across country. Do you have anything to say about Tony? No, uh, uh, before my time. Okay. Yeah, he, he passed away at the age of 90 earlier this week. Um, from the world of racing, we lost Jason Dupasquier, the, uh, the uh, Swiss 19-year-old motorbike racing who died in the race. This last week, he oh, uh, got run yeah. by his own bike, and then one of his uh, one of his competitors who had no chance to avoid him um, is only uh, only nineteen when he passed. Just a weird mm -hmm. accident uh, during qualifying. Um, uh, I mean, he had had twenty starts in 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 uh, uh, Grand Prix racing. Um, yeah, only and the son of his father. Philippe de Pasquier is another uh, motocross rider. Uh, but yeah, 19 is uh, a tough time to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, also passing fairly young this week uh, of, of uh, suicide, actually, Deshaun Robertson, also known as Little Loaded, an American rapper. Um, he had a hit song in the summer of 2019, which I am too white to pronounce correctly. It is L-O-C-C-6-A-6-Y, which I believe is Block Baby in Elite. Um, but his, the song went, the song went uh, viral, but he, passed, he uh, committed suicide uh, on, on Monday. I, I, I read that he died. I wasn't that familiar with him, but uh, is like any, any reason why he took his own life? Or? He allegedly shot and killed his friend while recording a music video and then turned back in October. Uh, and turned himself into police um, and was indicted in February on manslaughter charge. Uh, so it may have just been guilt with more than nothing else. Um, so mm. anyway. Um, we also lost from the world of music uh, Johnny Trudell, who is a jazz uh, studio musician who played trumpet and piano and flugelhorn and trombone and a few other instruments on recordings with Marvin Gaye, Martha Reeves, The Four Tops, The Temptations, 
like a whole bunch of folks like that in the 60s. Uh, he passed away at the age of 82. Wait, hold on. Where are we? Yeah, 82. I was off. I was 39. It took me a second to figure that out for some reason. Uh, yeah, so he passed away from um, cancer. Mm. Uh, from the world of baseball, we lost Mike Marshall. Uh, oh, I, I, I missed that. Yeah, the pitcher, uh, pitched from 67 to 81 uh, with the Tigers, pilot, Seattle Pilots, the original Seattle Pilot, the Astros, Expos, Dodgers, Braves, Rangers, Twins, and Mets. Uh, did, so you could definitely say he was a journeyman. Didn't he win a Cy Young, though? Like, he had, like, a fluke yeah, year. 1974 Cy Young, perhaps the, uh, perhaps the uh, flukiest Cy Young award ever won. Oh, there's a few. No, uh, he was 97 and 112 in his career, but he had a 3.14 ERA, which is way better. That's that's Jacob Degrom level of lack of run support, is what that seems like. Um, uh, Two-time All Star in 74, 75, led the league in saves in 73, 74, 79, won the Cy Young in 74, and still holds the major league record for pitching 106 games in a single season. It's crazy. Yeah, he passed away. I mean, really known for a screwball, but he passed away at the age of 78. He had been uh, receiving hospice care at the time, so I'm not exactly sure what it was that he had at the time, but uh, he had been getting in hospice care. Uh, we also lost, I just want to bring up one, uh, one actor this week who uh, passed away, Captain, uh, Captain Merrill Steubing himself. Oh, passed away at the age of 90 in Palm Desert, Florida. Um, there's a great picture actually posted by Ed Asner, who's also old as dirt online, of the two of them playing ping pong together in their 60s, which was an awesome picture. It was from like 1981. It's it amazing. But um, I captain, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I looked at uh, like when, when, it, when it was announced that he passed it, I actually thought he died a long time ago. And so then I looked at like, how old he would have been when Love Boat started? He was 46. Mm -hmm. So, and which is two years younger than I am now. And I'm thinking, damn, I look pretty good. Yeah, there's a picture of him on the Mary Tyler Moore show with Betty White on his, uh, on mm -hmm. his uh, Wikipedia page, where he looks a lot older than the 44 years he was at the time of that picture. So, but people it's age differently back then. Though that, that's yeah. very true, but sometimes it all catches up. But I, I have to say that if anyone was sort of like looking, watching Mary Tyler Moore show, and they would have had Ed Asner as the person most likely to live the longest. I know. Like, who would have picked that at the time? I know. So, but he, uh, yeah, he had a heck of a career. Peter Gunn, uh, The Untouchables, Dick Van Dyke Show, Perry Mason. Mikhail's Navy, The Munsters, Gomer Pyle, Rawhide, Andy Griffith, The Man from Uncle, uh, like crazy. It Takes a Thief, Mary Tyler Moore, like, of course, uh, Murder She Wrote because everybody was on Murder She Wrote at one point or another. Never watched um, that show. Oh, you never watched Murder She Wrote? No, I mean, like, it was just like, how am I going to get into a show like where I think she was the biggest series? I've said that, probably said this before. 
I, st- I think Angela Lansbury was, or whatever her character's name was, was the biggest serial killer of all time because everywhere she goes, somebody dies. Jessica Fletcher. Jessica B. Fletcher, as a matter of fact. Well, I, uh, I, I think that should have been how that series ended. It turns <laughs> out that, she, that murder I wrote or something. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, not to give too much away. If you haven't read it, the book's only been out since 1975, but that's the way Poirot's career ended. Poirot was the murderer in his last book. So, yeah. in, uh, in Curtain. He, uh, the Mysterious Affair at Styles was his first mystery. Curtain was his last mystery, both in the same place. Uh, and in the last murder mystery, he actually killed the guy before somebody could kill him or kill somebody else. And then Poirot died during the, uh, died during the book. So Hastings had to solve the murder, which he couldn't do. And of course, Poirot left a note explaining how he did it. Uh, so I guess that had already been done before, so they couldn't do it again. But Alan, what do I know? Well, I mean, there ever since ever since she moved, I will have to say the uh, the death rate in Cabot Cove has gone way down. So I'll, I'll assume that was the place where that was. It is yes. H- half the deaths in Maine took place in Cabot Cove. Um, Even so responsible for the other half. Right, which is why, like half halfway through the first season, they're like, "We've run out of people to kill each other or die. We have to move her on like a boat or someplace else, so that murders can happen other places." So, uh, <laughs> anyway, Gavin McLeod passed away at the age of ninety, uh, and then I guess the two biggest names have passed away this week uh, from the NBA. Uh, Mark Eaton died in a bicycle accident at the age of sixty-four. Um, one-time All-Star in 89, he was two-time Defensive Player of the Year in 85 and 89. Three-time All-Defensive First Team, two-time All-Defensive Second Team, four-time Block Leader. His number, number 53 has been retired by the Jazz. He played for them from 82 to 93. He may be the only person who has uh, successfully dropped, blocked one of Kareem's skyhooks. Um, just a very, very good player and somebody who probably wasn't going to get any sort of consideration for the Hall of Fame, but I have to say Ben Wallace's induction mm-hmm. at least opens the door to, I mean, he's the player of the year. It's got to, it's got to open the door for him, particularly next year where there's nobody up. Why not Mark Eaton get nominated at least? I think sometimes though, a lot of times the, like the hall doesn't want to look or any hall for that matter, just say, yeah, we should have done this when he was alive. So and that's what they all do. I know. They all do. They said that. It's Ron like, Santo. Ron Santo predicted three months before he died that they were gonna. He was gonna die, and they're gonna put him in the Hall of Fame that year. And they did. Yeah. Mark Eaton's got an interesting case. I think he was sort of really super happy that the jazz retired his number and that might've been his apex. And that might've been realistically what he could have hoped for. Having said that, yeah, Ben Wallace getting in, that helps so many other defensive players. I mean, I'm sure, uh, who I'm got him blanking here. Who's that, who's that, uh, that Bruin you've got, who is a defensive whiz, defensive forward whiz. Oh, Bergeron. Yes. Okay. When Guy Carbono got in, you got to be thinking, yeah, all right. So, like, uh, down the road, my uh, autograph's going to be worth a little bit more. <laughs> that, that helps him huge. Unlike Guy Carbono, though, Bergeron is also going to have a 1,000 points in his career by the time he's done. So Sure, but it, <laughs> it, it, 
it definitely helps when that when your call card is the selkie and that's not necessarily your your gateway drug to the uh to the hockey hall here's here's the most impressive thing i think about eaton mm-hmm. Eaton still holds two nba records oh in 19, 1984 he averaged for the season 5.6 blocks a game and that's still a record yeah in eight, he played 82 games started all 82 and averaged 5.6 blocks a game that's insane. His career average for blocks a game is 3.5. Average for his career, which is also an NBA record. Mm-hmm. Like, again, he played for some Utah teams that didn't necessarily, I mean, the 80s Jazz weren't known for being the world's most exciting team. But he has to, he has to, be somebody who's now under consideration for everything. And it sucks the way he, I mean, he passed away on a bike accident. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, you know, maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And that's, that's why I choose not to. <laughs> hey, I, I actually started, I didn't, this is like saying for CrossFit people saying they started CrossFit. I actually started insanity up again here mm-hmm. and I did T25 before it. And since the first uh, of March, I am now down 12 pounds, my friend. Nice. So I'm almost, I'm almost to uh, Joe Martino range. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and final last person I want to talk about is uh 70s singer, uh, country contemporary Christian pop rock star, BJ Thomas. Passed away at the age of 78, probably most famous for the theme from The Sting, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Oh, no, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kent. Yeah. Um, uh, and Hooked on a Feeling and has the record, as I've said before, for the longest titled song ever to go to number one. Hey, Won't You Play, another Somebody Done Somebody Wrong song in 1975, which is one letter longer than the song, no, song that peaked at number two of all time, Primitive Radio God standing outside a broken phone booth with money in my hand. So, and also, uh, he for for people of the child children of the eighties, he did the Growing Pains theme. He did do the Growing Pains theme. Yeah. So, um, one. How many Grammys are there? One, two, three, four. I think there were mostly five. Grammys. Yeah, five Grammys. Hey. Yo-Yo Ma's got a ton of Grammys, too, for uh, chamber music, so. Um, and a ridiculous sense of humor, just by the way. Oh, does super, super dirty man, Yo-Yo Ma. He used, he, used to live in my, uh, he used to live in my hometown, and so my sister played violin, and he'd, like, support the music school by coming to the music performances. And I sat next to Yo-Yo Ma on, like, two or three music performances and just listened to him tell jokes the whole time. Hmm. Super funny dude. Yo-Yo Ma. Unexpected, but super, super funny. Um, so, yeah. So, he, uh, he yeah, mostly mostly uh, for gospel music. He did win one GMA Dove Award. What's I'm not that? Quite sure what that is. Uh, a, I don't know. It kind of sounds like a gospel thing. Gospel Music Association. Oh, uh, okay. So, but yeah, he um, passed away uh for after he had stage nine, uh, stage four lung cancer mm-hmm. and died nine weeks later uh, on Saturday at the age of 78. 
you know, very, very long, successful career. I actually thought he was more of a songwriter. I, I, I thought he wrote some of those. Maybe because he just seemed like he owned it all. Highly possible. I actually didn't see that. Because um, the, the two big hits that you, that you mentioned, he didn't write. Right. I think he did write the one for Growing Pains, though, with his wife. Uh, he did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he did write that one. So, but anyway. All right, so that's my death march. We got, we got through everybody. Okay. So I guess uh, we'll do elevator up, elevator down. It's pr- and what that is, is I look back at the last week and I say, hey, what happened the past week that makes their Hall of Fame potential go elevator up? Ding! Or elevator down, which I guess is still a ding. But I don't have the prices right losing horn theme. That, that, that works, yes. And for the, we have a first. We have a first. I actually have two elevator downs. So I'll, I'll do an elevator down, elevator up, and then elevator down. Uh, first, I've got someone who was a previous elevator up, who's now an elevator down. And that just concluded, uh, well, it didn't conclude, I'm assuming uh, this ended. Uh, Julius Randall, the New York Knicks. Uh, Randall, it sorry. Concluded. They, they lost, so it's concluded. So okay. Yeah, so Randall, I mean, statistically wasn't that bad, and, but the chance of overrated that welcomed him in Atlanta weren't that far off. Mm. He just wasn't the guy in any of those games. I don't really know what happened. There's a lot that he's got to work on. Derek Rose at, at times was the best player on that Knicks team, and Derek Rose is not that player anymore that he can be that, and, and you're going to win a series. So did, I almost feel like Randall. Derek, sorry, did Derrick Rose play himself back in the Hall of Fame conversation? Yeah. I mean, he was someone I, I considered for elevator up, but I thought I'd use that for a, diff, for a different time. Derrick Rose, because yeah. he was a finalist for sixth man of the year, and, and rightfully so. Uh, Rose has been very, very good. He's having that Grant Hill-like second half that he needs to have. Mm-hmm. To really play his way back into that. And uh, for those just wondering why we're talking about Rose quite a bit, Derek Rose, if he doesn't get into the Basketball Hall of Fame, will become the first and only NBA MVP not to make it, which it could very well still happen. Mm-hmm. I think it's more likely that that's going to happen at this point. But he's having a good year. If he remains healthy, longevity is his friend which usually isn't the case for a basketball player but in the, in the hall, but in his case it is. But yeah, Randall undid a lot of the narrative that sort of came up with him this year. Uh, didn't just lose to Atlanta, lost badly. Mm-hmm. They really weren't competitive except for a couple games. Well, they won one. Uh, Trey Young was incredible. I don't want to use him as an elevator up at this point, but – yeah, Julius Randle, I feel, is an elevator down. Uh, my elevator up, uh, it's Carey Price. We, we talked about the Montreal-Toronto series. Montre- and again, the Hart Trophy, very rare do you win the Hart Trophy and not go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. The Habs have two players that could be in that category, and Carey Price and Corey Perry. Mm. Uh, did, Carey- did, did, did Theodore win it at 1.2? Yeah, but... He's, he's one of those guys who... He's on the team now, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. But yeah, yeah T- Theodore's one. Uh, 
and a couple of players whose names are escaping me, like from the 40s and 50s, but I, I, either way. Montreal has no business winning anything. Yeah, they do. They, they, they really don't. Uh, I had to look up because I, I could not remember who was their leading scorer. I have to look that up again because I'm blanking. Well, well, while you're doing that, I just want to point out, if they were in any other division, they would not have made the playoffs. Right, yeah, because you said that a couple of weeks ago, that they are the worst uh, team to be in, in, this, uh, in, the, in the postseason. Okay, it's Tyler Toffoli, the legendary Tyler Toffoli, with his 44 points. Was league was the franchise leading this year? That doesn't seem like a lot of points, even in a shortened season. Right, it it, re- it really isn't. Uh, it, it's not particularly great. They don't have any snipers. I think when I last checked, uh, Montreal was leading Winnipeg, which isn't really. They, 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 actually, they won the game. Yeah. Yeah, it, which is to be expected when you've got a team that's still active and you. And you're playing a team like the Jets who hadn't played in, what, eight, nine days? Yeah. That always happens every game one in hockey, always. So Habs fans don't get too excited, but I am cheering for you, like, huge. I, I would love to see Montreal win the whole thing. But And if that happens, then Carey Price is your guy. Uh, Carey Price has only won one Vezina, but he also won the Ted Lindsay, which is the award given – it's the heart version given, is given by the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh wait, no, no, Kerry, no, Kerry won the, Kerry won both, didn't he? He he won the heart. I think he did. He did. Yeah, so he won both. Yeah, he won the heart and the Ted Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Price, Price win. If it's not Kerry Price, the Leafs win that in five, maybe four. Mm-hmm. And this is the great thing about hockey: a goalie can steal you, not just a series. They can steal you a Stanley Cup. Patrick Watt did bit for the same team twice, 86 and 93. Those the, Bruins, teams, you know. the Bruins don't have a championship without Tim Thomas that year. That t- 2011 right. Tim Thomas may have been the mo- most unbeatable playoff goalie I'd seen in my life. Like just yeah. didn't matter yeah. what ridiculous save he had to make, he was making it. And I'm, I was really hesitant to sort of like use Price as my elevator up because again, we're only talking an opening round series, but... Mm-hmm. <sighs> But, but we talk about playoff Rondo all the time. Playoff Price is a real thing. Yes. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, Carey Price was my easy elevator up. I'm. If Winnipeg wins, I'm still whoever the Canadian team is. I'm cheering for them. I, I'm putting the Canadian hat on. I can't get excited about Carolina winning at all. I just can't. Well, here, here's the thing. If let's just say let's play this out and say that Tampa's up to nothing, Avalanche are up. The Bruins are tied, and now Montreal's up. So let's just say the Bruins and Montreal, Colorado and Tampa all win. Mm-hmm. That means that Colorado plays Montreal, Tampa plays Boston, and it's possible we could have a Canadians Bruins Stanley Cup. How awesome would that be? That would be ridiculous. Yeah. That. Uh, that said, I'm not sure Canadians are beating. Uh, first of all, Bruins have to get through the Islanders, but. Like, I'm not sure the Canadians are beating uh, Colorado. I don't know if McKinnon – like, forget about McDavid. McKinnon is ridiculous. Right. I don't know if anyone's getting through that Colorado team. And the Bruins in Tampa have had a blood feud now for half a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be a vicious battle even if that, if that ended up happening. So, yeah, it'd be weird. 
I, I, I think I do want to make one little slight retraction. As much as I sort of like said, I, I can't really get into Carolina. Okay, I'm a Canadian. I can't. I respect the hell out of the fact that you filled that arena, and that was awesome. And you, uh, people of Carolina, you've proven yourselves to be excellent hockey hockey fans. Nashville, mm-hmm. same. Why it doesn't it continuals, continuously fails in Atlanta, I don't know. Atlanta is the only team to lose two professional sports teams to Canadian cities. <laughs> oh, shit, that's true. Calgary Flames and yeah. the, uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, uh, yeah. Although I have to say this, this how so if we're Colorado, Montreal, Boston, and let's say Tampa, mm-hmm. NHL super excited about now the final four. I would if say it's so. if it's Vegas, Winnipeg, the Islanders, and Carolina, less excited. <laughs> how fascinating is that that we're talking about a New York City team? Yeah, the yeah, Islanders, Islanders team is a pain in the Bruins' ass. They have been all year. That team is super interesting, and they play a tough style of defense. My, uh, my roommate from uh, right after college, Kurt, is a huge Islanders fan. Always has been. It's weird because he doesn't really care about sports except for the Islanders. It's a very strange team to be the only team you care about. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, he and I have been going back and forth about it all year. It's, like, it's just a weird matchup for the Bruins, and a tough, it, it's going to be tough. I have no real confidence. I think the Bruins are a better team. I have no real confidence they're going to beat. I had a lot of confidence they're going to beat Washington. I had no real confidence they're going to beat the so, Islanders. Sometimes that's just how it is. Like when Ottawa was good, they Toronto would just always squeak in and just beat the shit out of them in the mm-hmm. playoffs, and it was yeah. just so frustrating. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, Stanley Cup playoffs have been very good so far. So, and I have a, this one's uh, elevator down might be more your, uh, you probably have a lot to say about this one. My elevator down after an ineffective playoff run and just a season where the decline is clearly here, Kemba Walker. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Kemba was, Kemba. go ahead. No, I was just saying, Kemba Walker's got two years and $74 million left on that contract he has with the Celtics. He's not playing for the Celtics next year. Who's trading for him? Uh, from everything I've been reading, the Cl- they, they think they're going to try and poach him to the Clippers. For who? I don't know. A, ba- a bag of balls and the rights to Chauncey Phillips to coach the team? <laughs> you know, the, funny, the funny thing is, it's not like Kemba Walker. If you just look at his stat line, you're thinking, well, okay, he hasn't slipped that much. But – when, if you're looking at a Kemba Walker highlight reel from a few years ago to now, it's just not there. And for a while there, Walker was just, and I know I said it, I said it many times, what would he be around, like in a better, in a better place? And I think he's the best player ever in, the, in Charlotte franchise history. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. What that says isn't a whole lot, but he still is. In his first year in Boston, it was, it was okay, but the, the cracks were there. And this year, he just – he's not even close. He's just – what is he, the third option? And if that – did Kemba well, walk I mean, anyone better this year? The, the, biggest, the biggest ability is availability, and he can't play in the second game of a back-to-back. We had all sorts of games that we lost because we didn't have that next score. I mean, and, and as much as we 
the Bruins, the Celtics had a ton of injuries and they're hit hardest by COVID basically of any team. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact they even won one game was because Tatum was ridiculous for 50 points and they needed that. He, he needed to do that four times earned from the win. He couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Kemba's knees are just, they're done. Like he's, if they have an 82 game season next year, he's going to play 55. Like that's the most he's ever going to be able to play. And he was out like that, that game five, they were down um, time Lord. Who's really good, but can't stay on the court already as a young guy. Jalen Brown is out uh, and they were out and Kemba was out. So it was like, at one point there had, it was Tatum, Jabari Parker, <laughs> Peyton Pritchard, Semi Ojale, and Grant Williams on the floor for an elimination game against a team with three Hall of Famers. And maybe four, depending how you feel about Blake Griffin. Like, there, there was no shot that that Celtics team, with how injured they were and everything else, were going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the lack of availability, like, that whole spot has been – has been a problem. Like ever since Hayward broke his ankle 15 minutes into his Celtics career, that salary slot has been an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do going forward. Like the because the, they're the rookie contracts for Tatum and Brown are done, and they kick in next year. They have they're going to be the reason they had to give fight fights away for. Mo Wagner, which is essentially a bat, uh, bat of basketballs because he got cut five games later after going, you ready for this? Mo Wagner was in for five minutes and was a negative 21 in five minutes in a basketball game. How is that possible? It was ridiculous. It, there's a game against – who are they playing? I watched that game and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. They brought, the Celtics were up by like 22 points in, in the fourth quarter with like six minutes left. So they brought all the scrubs in. Mo Wagner in five minutes was negative 21 and had three fouls <laughs> and cut the next day. That's who they traded Tice for because they needed to get under the salary cap. So the fact that Kemba probably is going to get into the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame anyway if we're concluding his college career because there's nobody who had a better college run at mm-hmm. the end of his career mm-hmm. than Kemba Walker. They marched through the Big East when they had the crazy Big East that went five games in five days. They won that and then won the NCAA tournament. That plus being the greatest player in Charlotte history is probably going to get him there at some point. But you're right. He's done. Yeah. And so it's – I and I do think he's the type of player that needs more. I, I, really, oh. I really do. It's, so. it's entirely possible. If, if we can get – if the Clippers want him – Oh my God, just figure it out. Figure out, I don't care what we get back for that. Yeah. Like, like if we traded him for the rights, because the guy who I want to be the coach of the Celtics is Chauncey Billups. I want Billups as our next head coach. Um, and I wanted that before, and I listened to the whole podcast today from uh, Jackie Mack and Ryan Rosillo and Bill Simmons and, uh, and Kevin O'Connor on The Ringer today. And Jackie Mack brought up, Billups, but that was my initial reaction anyway. I thought Billups should have been hired for the Nets job last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think he's the perfect guy for that Celtics locker room to come in there. And if we could somehow trade 
Kemba Walker and end up with the like just the ability to get exclusive negotiating rights with Chauncey Billups, I will take that deal any day. Well, maybe that'll happen. So yeah, that concludes my segment. You've got the hammer again. Uh, <sighs> kind of let me know it wasn't necessarily going to be a lot of good, bad, and ugly of the week, just a lot of bad and ugly. And we got no Clint Eastwood on this. We don't, but I'm going to use Silky Johnson again. What can I say about this week that hasn't been said about Afghanistan? Um, all right. So there wasn't a ton. There are a few good things here and there. Um, but here's how bad the week is. I think this week was like, instead of good, bad, and ugly, it's bad, ugly, and WTF. All right. I've already so, swore, so you can go ahead. What the fuck? Why, <laughs> why the face? Um, so, Is so bad or ugly? It's worse than ugly. So here's here. I'm gonna start with bad. Okay. So here's how bad this week was. First of all, I'm not even gonna bring up really. Um, uh, what's his name for the Braves? Why can't I think of his name? Oh, Azuna. Azuna, Marcelo Azuna, who was still actively choking his wife when the police burst into his burst into their house. Police break down your door and you're still actively choking your wife. I think he's probably not going to be playing baseball again anytime soon. Well, to, to be fair, he went to the Roberto Alomar School of Self-Defense. Oh, man. So that's how bad this week is. I'm, that's as much of a mention as anyone's getting. But here's the thing. Bad is only what happened to Naomi Osaka. Okay. Okay. So for those not paying attention, Naomi Osaka is one of the greatest female tennis players in the world. She's half Asian, half African-American, was born in Asia, moved to the United States when she was three, has won multiple Grand Slam titles, but has and has in the past talked about the fact that she has some social anxiety, particularly when it comes to doing press conferences. So she told the French Open that she wasn't going to do the media availability because it's been stressing her out. She told them that before she got to the tournament, okay? So she got to the tournament. She actually did do some media stuff while still on the court. So she answered still on questions still on the court. Um, and she went through everything and she won her first round match, but she did not do the, she did not do the, um, the, the, uh, the afterwards, right? They find her $15,000. And she essentially withdrew because she thought it would be better than being fined $15,000 every time she didn't talk. Because that's definitely what they want in the French Open, is getting one of the best players in the tournament to withdraw. Not because she got injured, which happened to another play, one of the other top-ranked players who got injured on her way to her press conference. She rolled her ankle after the, after the game, after the match. But she she had to walk away because of this. And there are tons of people who are defending the French Open on this. And here's all I need to say about that. First of all, the French Open, who wanted to expel her from the tournament if she didn't speak and had her actually step out, is the same organization that, try, that banned Serena Williams from wearing an outfit that helped prevent 
blood clots after she gave birth. Oh, really? Okay. It was inappropriate. Okay. These guys are fucking assholes. And the guy who said who gave the speech afterwards or gave the statement, he gave the statement, and guess what he didn't do afterwards? What's that? He didn't take any goddamn questions. <laughs> really? Fuck you! Oh, uh, questions after after the press conference. He lost wow. away. I didn't know that. I, I was about to. I don't want to say defend the French Open because I, I I can't and I didn't really want to. I was because I thought this might come up because we didn't prep each other as to what we were going to cover on our, our sections. What is prep? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, sometimes we have, sometimes we don't want to overlap. True. That's true. All right. So. Mo mo yeah, mostly we just want to make sure that that my elevator down is not your ugly or bad or you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I I was sort of trying to think about this, and I looked up a lot of Naomi Osaka today. Osaka, sorry, because uh, I thought that might come up. So my first thought was okay, because a lot of people are like, of course, Jamel Hill saying, "Well, it's racist." Now. To be fair, no one's ever done this before, to my knowledge. I was trying to see if anyone has. So I don't know that they knew how to handle it because they never had, what's their practice? None. You know, like I, you knew that they were sort of going to go all high and mighty. And so then I looked at some of the far left opinions and far right. And I hate the fact that, again, and I've said this before, that we have the sports situation and there's a far left opinion and a far right opinion. How stupid is that? But here we are. That's 2021. So if you look at a left-wing opinion, so then they, they will go a whole, whole lot how she does, she's got this issue. And I believe that. Watch Naomi, Naomi Osaka in any interview. And she's not very interesting. She's mm -hmm. clearly out of her depth. Ironically or coincidentally, I don't know which is the most appropriate word. I guess ironically, as I was working today and I've got my YouTube thing, I've, I've set it up on a US filter so that I could have Hulu stuff in the background. I've got community in the background. And it's a commercial comes up and it's Naomi Osaka and it's the mind of Naomi Osaka. So a commercial there. And I, so I'm watching that. I never watch commercials. And, and I wondered, cause like she struggles to look happy. Mm -hmm. She really does. And I wondered, my God, how many takes did it take just to get her to look even remotely camera ready? And this is not to say anything about her look. She's a very beautiful person. But she's not someone who's comfortable in front of a camera. Now, she's, in, she's comfortable in, in, in people. So the right wing will encounter, well, she's, look at all she does in social media. She's doing these commercials. Yeah, because she chooses to. Mm -hmm. Look back at the first interview she, or the big interview she did after she won uh, I forget whatever, I think it was the Aussie Open and when she beat Serena and mm -hmm. she on the couch with, I think Ellen and she's just lost and she hasn't gotten any better at it since. So I completely believe that this woman has this type of awkwardness in that situation and when it comes to playing tennis, it all goes away. Yeah, I, I just think that she informed the French Open ahead of time Mm -hmm. like what was going to happen. She wasn't doing this as a protest. She wasn't doing this as whatever. She just said, this is making me uncomfortable for my mental health. I can't do this. 
And as opposed to trying to figure out a way to help one of their biggest stars in this situation, they treated her like she was... But again... Beholden to them. No, I understand. Yeah. I understand. They treated her like she was a qualifier who they had never seen before, right? There are ways on a baseball team, yeah. there are 25 players, they're not all treated the same, right? In a tennis tournament, there are, what, 128 people start or 256 in the, in the big tournaments? I can't remember. It's either 256 or 128. I can guarantee you the person she played in the first round, whose name I don't remember, I apologize. I'm sure that your family is very proud you mate were in the French Open. Uh, yeah. Not going to be treated the same as a multiple Grand Slam winner. So they, sure. there was ample opportunity. Now, the only reason this is bad and not ugly or worse is the fact that the French Open and the WTA has now come out and said, you know what? We should have handled this better. Which is and good. They seem, which is good. It took this for them to figure it out, but it seems like they're actually making a move in that direction. Well, they got defensive and didn't talk to her first. And again, though, to be fair, going back to her original statement, there was a bit of snarky comments in there from Naomi where she said, they're just going to ask me the same questions anyway. Mm-hmm. Which is true, I'm sure. I don't know anything about tennis media. I don't, plan, don't uh, tend to. Venus, I think, I think it was Venus today was asked uh, how she dealt with the media afterwards. And she's like, I just know I'm better than all of you at this sport, so none of your questions bother me. Right. <laughs> um, that's her attitude. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, but she yeah. just have to say that because oh, yeah. if I was the snotty French person who's in charge of this stuff, I might get a – it might – it wasn't the best choice of words on her part. She's right in what she said. She might have been better off to leave that sentence off because she's now slamming media. That's, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's probably true, but I just, I mean, here's what really happened. Nike came out in her defense, and the WTA can't afford to lose Nike. And that's what it all comes down to. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's, when everyone talks about woke culture for corporations, that's, what it all, that's where all the money comes down to. I, I, is, I will say this, though. What probably, I, I don't know if she really thought this through, or maybe she did, and she's playing 4D chess. Because she's now a bigger star than ever. She's, she's going to be a bigger deal than well, I, suppose open. I suppose that's true, but I don't think that was the original. Probably not. But yeah, you, you, don't, you don't inform somebody weeks in advance as to what you're going to do to give them time. Like she, it wasn't like she sent this to them two days before the matches. She sent them to weeks ago saying, hey, I'm not going to do this. I don't feel comfortable with all the media to crush around them. And they had, it's not like they weren't, didn't have time to prepare for this. They had time to prepare. They could have talked to her. They could have figured something out. They just chose not to. No, and I agree. I agree. Uh, The thing is, though, once you now say that, now most people could tell that she was had issues with media just casually by looking at her and her body language. Now everyone knows it. Right. So that's not going to do her any favors going forward. Maybe not. But, you know, in terms of how, her, how she deals with it, uh, I'm, I will close with this as someone, and I hate talking about my own mental health things because I don't really want to. But as someone who has gone through it, I, it, it is certainly, leg- I hope that 
she gets through whatever it is. Maybe there's more to it. I don't know. I don't, I don't plan to know what it is. And to anyone saying, well, you know what? She's got all these millions. I don't give a fuck. You know what? Cause if it's all the, the only currency I give a shit about Evan I, is happiness. That's the only one that matters. I, I understand. And that was one of the things online. They're like, they gave her all of this money and she should answer the questions. I'm like they didn't give it to her. She won those tournaments. That's she true. That money. Literally tennis, you get only get paid if you do well. Golf is the same way. You only get paid money if you do well. Like you can't, you can't get injured and not make, and just be on a contract in those sports. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I could be wrong in this. I know in golf, the golfers have to pay, they're paying their own way to get to each tournament. Is it that way in Tennessee? That, I have absolutely no idea. I will say though, I don't think, I know you said it, it, it may affect her because now everybody knows. I don't think it, it certainly doesn't matter on the court. So I don't think it's necessarily going to carry over. So. Well, no, I mean, for her mental health, the next time she, because eventually she's going to do an interview. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. I will close with this. Uh, again, because I don't know how the media handles this. I, I, I just don't. You're not, media really isn't that necessary at this That's stage anymore. Uh, it was. It used to be, and I think that's the conversation that's really going to come out of this. Um, we want to talk to uh, Mrs. Saka. She can say whatever she, she's she'll do that on her on her platform, which is pretty big. And more people are going to react to whatever she does in social media than what I don't know who's a tennis reporter. T tennis magazine. I'm tennis sure she has more. Yeah. she has more people than Tennis Magazine has subscribers. Right. So that shift has already happened. I, I think this is just really ground zero of what might transpire in the future towards access towards athletes. Because let's be honest, most of these athletes they probably share too much anyway. Probably true. So, depending right. on. so we, we've done a lot on so I'm gonna get to ugly now. Oh, okay. Ugly is the NBA fan. Yeah. A bad week NBA fan. Um so just a quick rundown of what's happened in the first round of the playoffs so far. So we uh and again we also someone ran on the field at Wrigley today too. So it's not just then, uh, but we had in uh in Philadelphia. We had a fan throw popcorn at Russell Westbrook as he was leaving the floor. Oh, hold on a second. My page, my page got a... Well, wasn't that in Washington? Oh, no, Philadelphia. It was in Philadelphia. He played yeah. for Washington. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so we had uh, Russell Westbrook leaving the floor, had popcorn dumped on him, right? We had uh, a Knicks fan spitting on Trey Young when he's doing an uh, doing a inbounds play. We had the dumbass in Boston throwing a water bottle at Kyrie Irving, which is exactly what he wanted. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and again, all right. I have to say this. Boston has a reputation for having had a racist past, right? There are dumbasses in every major city, Boston included, who are racist pricks. The city of Boston does not hate because he is black. 
the city of Boston hates Kyrie Irving because he said he was going to stay there, then bailed, and when he was doing it, completely quit during the playoffs on his team. They won the first game against Milwaukee in that playoff series, and he might as well have been on a chartered plane someplace else for the final four games of that series. That's why they hate Kyrie Irving. The guy who they traded for Kyrie Irving, Isaiah Thomas, gets massive cheers every single time he's back in Boston. Isaiah Thomas, I don't know if you've heard, is also African-American. I've heard that. Right? Yeah. So it has nothing to do with the color of Kyrie's skin. It has to do with the fact he's a fucking asshole. And people in Boston, at least as far as people in Boston are concerned. Mm-hmm. That said, the 20 million who dickhead who threw the water bottle at him should be banned from Boston sports for life. Mm-hmm. Get him the fuck out. We don't want him. Go away. Just stop. That's exactly what Kyrie was looking for. And by the way, what Jalen Brown said out to Kyrie's responses is why Jalen Brown should never, ever leave the Celtics. Jalen Brown is going to be elected to something at some point in his lifetime. He is conscientious, on top of issues, willing to have discussions, and not willing to put up with petty bullshit. Because he said basically, like, you're, there's legitimate racial issues that need to be dealt with in this country, which everyone agrees with. But using them as a crutch for a situation you know is going to happen is not the way to do things. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what happened. So Kyrie Irving, screw you, but doubly screw the guy who threw the water bottle. <laughs> and there's more. Okay. More th- that happened this week. There's more. We had the fan who ran on the court during game four of the Sixers and Wizards. Uh, we had uh, John Morant's family being harassed by jazz fans with racist and sexist insults. I honestly think uh, probably around the league more so than Boston, the group of fans who are largely thought of to be the most racist, I think, are actually jazz fans. There are tons of stories about that. Demographically, you could see it too. Yeah. Just... And then Emmanuel Quickly of the Knicks had one of his own fans throw a beer on him during the game. A Knicks fan threw a beer on him in game two, the same game that uh, the same game that Trey Young was spin at. Like, that's one week. Like, I understand that fans are just now allowed back in the stadiums and we've forgotten how to behave, apparently. But, like, just stop it. it's it's a it's a goddamn excuse like i've gone to many 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 sporting events i'm sure you have also i've been drunk at most of them want to know how many uh, altercations i've had zero the the only altercation i've ever had at a sporting event actually there have been two one i caught a foul my foul ball i caught off the bat of rob deer the two drunk guys behind me tried to take it from me and that didn't go so well um, the other one was we were in eighth grade. We went on a school trip to Fenway and this is old Fenway. This is old school Boston before everything got redone. So I was in eighth grade in 1992 and the guys behind us had a, had brought smuggled in their own like handles of liquor and they had like a full thing of Jack Daniels that just finished off. And one of my classmates turned because uh, they were being super loud and said, can you just shut up? We're trying to watch a game. And the guys hit him in the face with a Jack, empty bottle of Jack Daniels. Jesus. So we had a little bit of an issue. A whole bunch of eighth graders jumped at two drunk guys at Fenway. <laughs> uh, so those are the only two altercations I've ever had, both at Fenway. Um, but, like, I've never thought of ever throwing anything on the field. No. And, and maybe because a lot of the games I went to were in Toronto, I very rarely – I can't really remember – Granted, I was drunk for a lot of it, but I'm a very happy-go-lucky drunk, as I'm sure you'll find out whenever 
I pay you off all that beer I owe you. <laughs> Just keep making bets. My bets haven't been going well recently. So, uh, what am I up? Or what do know? Up? I'm down three. I'm down, I'm three now. I was four. We got up to five. I think you're down to three. So down three. Yeah. So I mean, I think uh, I think Russ said it best. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly what he said, but but it was in regards to the guy who just like he was dumping popcorn, like you know you know like if this was on the street, how different it would be. I, I know that's not exactly what he said, but there's a certain thing to that. Don't say anything or do anything if you wouldn't have the balls. And let's be honest, not a single one of these jackasses would have done that. Oh, it, 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 it wouldn't have done it. it the same twitter tough guys as well. exactly exactly and i'm glad that the nba and all, all actually no that's not really an nba thing that's a an individual team and arena thing but i believe in each case all of them have been banned i don't know about the guy who charged the court because like he just actually went to jump if you look at him all he tried to do he jumped and just like wanted to touch the rim and yeah. got tackled from behind i don't think he was trying to do any damage i would love to know what dwight howard said to him as he's just standing over him, like. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, like, we're back in polite society, everybody. Don't be dicks. It's, it's a pretty simple request. Yeah, just don't I, be dicks. I think... I, sorry, that just reminds me of one of my favorite music lines. I was listening to an old Frank Turner album earlier this week. And just one of my favorite lines ever written in any song. He said, there's no such things as rock stars. There's just people who play music. And some of them are just like us. And some of them are dicks. <laughs> Very true. Just made me think of that line. Sorry. Frank Turner, if you don't listen to him, you guys should. He's amazing. Uh, anyway. Not, not um, WTF. The WTF. Team football. Think of, of dicks. Uh, what sport do you think I'm going to for this? I honestly don't know. I'm going to the NFL. What happened to the NFL? The NFL has said that it will stop selling concussion lawsuits using oh. a race-based formula that assumes black players have lower cognitive function than whites. I, 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 my jaw dropped when I read that today. I had no idea that they even did that. Like, what the hell is this? They've only... The NFL, every time you think like, hey, they're beginning to make some positive changes when it comes to both head injuries and race relations you realize the only reason they do any of this is because they get their asses sued let me re read that sentence this is a direct quote again direct quote mm -hmm. the nfl has said it will stop settling concussion lawsuits using a race-based formula that assumes black players have lower cognitive function than whites how is this not getting more press I don't know because the places I saw it were like the BBC it was like the, with the ones who did the biggest blowout on it. Al Jazeera had a big blowout on it. I just, I don't. Well, I read it on ESPN, but I mean, whoever, they should just sort of like be sending a th thank you flowers to Naomi Osaka. Because yeah. she's, she's right now with the bigger deal and all this, but that should have been like the breaking news. Cause I, I read this on ESPN. I, I don't even know where you come up with that and think that's not going to bite you in the ass someday. I, I don't, I don't even know. Well, here's, here's the thing. 
I'm going to say something which I don't want anyone to take out of context. Here is the slight reason why the NFL did this. Okay, their justification for it. And it's actually worse than the NFL. Is that it happens throughout society all over the fucking place. It happens with economists when it comes to unemployment. It happens with doctors when it comes to kidney function. Like there's just presumption that overall unemployment is like everything for African-Americans is lower. Like kidney functions is automatically lower because people are black. So there's a real number and a black number for kidney function. Like when it comes to unemployment, there's overall unemployment and then black unemployment. They have like different versions as to how things work. It happens throughout society, which is why they're doing it. But how, like, at what point during this whole thing should you be like, hey guys, we have a whole bunch of black folks who are major moneymakers in this industry. Maybe we should like, Treat them equally with everybody else? Here's at what point, day one. And I think the funny thing, well, not funny, there's nothing funny about this. The whole concussion lawsuit thing, it's, I'm trying to think when this started. This isn't all that long ago. So we're not, we can't even go back to whole Jim Crow era. Mm-mm. When all the, was it Tagliabue or was it Goodell who said that there was no problem with concussions? I think that was Goodell. Probably Goodell. But- like 2005, 2006 time period. So whenever they started paying off this stuff, like, well, when was uh, when was that Will Smith movie? Because like that was that was only like done in recent, like like when they were doing like the uh, like like everything they were talking about was all relatively recent. Uh, that, 2015. That the concussion movie was 2015. Okay, so we're talking about probably I don't I don't know when the first payout came, but it, it's got to be less than 20 years. Yeah, I know it's definitely less. Than it may be even less than that. So we're we're not talking about something that should have of some old standard idea that 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 had been grandfathered in. This makes no sense to me. And you're you're right. I don't know how this hasn't blown up completely, especially in the times we're in right now. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't get it. I don't understand it. Well, I mean, I guess the, what, what you pretty much laid it out, how that can possibly occur. But, yeah, that, this is, uh, maybe, maybe that's what you should do from here on in. Uh, the bad, the ugly, and the what the fuck. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm looking back. I just typed in Goodell and concussions, and he said something at the NFL honors back in 2016. That apparently was flippant, and people took like they weren't taking the NFL wasn't taking it seriously. And then Roger Staubach, who had six concussions during his career, had to apologize for his error. Well, Staubach or Goodell said that. Uh, Staubach apologized for Goodell. Oh, okay. So this is a real downer to end this, isn't it? Well, I mean, but like, uh, yeah, it's like how how is that a thing? Not only in twenty twenty one, not twenty eleven, not two thousand and one. Like, how is that a thing after nineteen sixty one? Like, I just I don't understand how they. Every time someone says that the system isn't gamed against people of color, 
something like this pops up. There's just inherent things within society that are gamed against people of color. They just are. They still exist. Mm -hmm. There's reasons why, like, I, I, I grew up in Winchester, Massachusetts. Right over the border from, from, I'm in the, like, the far southern corner of Winchester. Right next to me is the town of West Medford, okay? So Medford itself is a city of, like, 90,000 people. It's a big place. It's where Tufts University is. West Medford and part of the, where I live in Winchester all used to belong to one guy named Brooks. It's a Brooks estate. They lived there for 200 years on this estate and they had slaves at one point. There is something in West Medford called the Slave Wall, which was built by somebody who he freed and then and appreciation built a wall on his property. There's a thing on it. And all the people he gave part of his property to his slaves Mm -hmm. And that whole area of West Medford, that whole neighborhood, is still almost entirely African-American. Mass majority of African-American people in Medford live in one neighborhood huh. because of the way the situation happened. Levittown in New York, which is built for GIs returning from World War II, had a no-blacks policy. St. Louis, we had the 65th anniversary of it the other day. Uh, I can't remember the name of the case right now. It's out of the top of my head where the discrimination, they, St. Louis had basically a law saying that African-American people couldn't buy houses in their city that was overturned 65 years ago. Like it, all this stuff, they, uh, this, a city in California just gave land back to a family that they took by eminent domain 100 years ago because of a black hotel that's very popular amongst black folks that they didn't want black folks. So they took it by eminent domain and never built anything on it. And that property is now worth two and a half million dollars and still nothing was built on it. And they gave it back to the family. I think it was taken in 1929. So they gave it back 90 years later to the people who took it. This stuff has happened throughout the history of the United States and it's still happening. And the fact that the NFL was exposed for it, super bad for the NFL, something they should have dealt, dealt with a long time ago, but it fucking exists all over the place. If you don't think it exists, it's because you're intentionally not paying attention to it. The systems were designed in such a way so as to make it harder for them to get ahead based on the color of their skin. And they're slowly being undone and being exposed and that's woke culture now, but that's what's happening. And this is just another example that the NFL fell into. Don't you think though, I mean, there would have been some lawyers who would have like figured out this ahead of time, like, no. Maybe is the answer. The answer is eventually lawyers did figure it out, but it wasn't until they got sued yeah. over it. Wasn't yeah, it just wasn't their lawyers. It wasn't their lawyers. It may have just been the fact that nobody looked at it because they never thought to look at it because they were they. It may not have been something. They may have thought they were just using the medical standard, and so, that the medical standard is the problem. The NFL just got busted on. But that medical standard exists. The lower cognitive function is the default, is the default number that is being used. And the NFL didn't come up with this. They're not, I don't think they actively were like, black people are dumber, so the concussions don't hurt them as much. I think that it was 
actually the default position and they just use the medical guidance and never really thought about it. They are so lucky that this, I don't want to say being swept under the rug because it's not, but they, they are very fortunate that this did not blow up the way it really should. Maybe it still will. Maybe it still will, right. But yeah. I mean, between Naomi Osaka and Kyrie Irving's statements and, 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 and this week, it's mm-hmm. just another thing on the pile. I mean, Fox News this week was talking about the wokest, like, waterfront in Seattle. Because Seattle said that they were going to make it uh, open to everybody and had a, they're going to put a plaque up about the fact that it used to be the old docks and that there were sometimes migrant labor who is, like, mistreated there, essentially. And they did, like, three days on the wokest harbor in the United States because they were putting up a plaque about what happened there historically, and they're making it accessible to everybody. Like that's that's a situation we're in right now, where where basic information being shared with people is woke culture and needs to be suppressed. It's just it's dumb. It depends on on well, I, I think there's so much other things we can go into, which let's not. <laughs> Fine, I agree. I agree, but again. NFL, bad look. Yep. You're going to get excoriated over this. You should get excoriated over this. You should have figured that out much earlier. People well, have been complaining it about it. It came up in the first place. Like, is, is, like, not that I do even want to excuse it if this was 1950 when it started. That's still inexcusable. It is unfathomable yeah. when the year starts with two. Yeah. That, that's... We'll we'll see how this plays out uh, next week uh, when we re- when we reconvene. It'll be interesting to see if someone else picks up on this, or I, I, I don't know. The NFL just always seems to be Teflon. Yeah, I mean that that uh, that the dementia uh, concussion settlement was in 2013, man. 2013. Okay, so. Again, not that there's an excuse regardless of the year. There really isn't, but this is especially heinous. I, I, I don't, I'm very rarely speechless, as, as you may have noticed. But this one sort of leaves me speechless, like just the levels of dumb. And it goes up to Goodell, like he didn't know this. Goodell doesn't know anything. That could be, sure. that's also possible. Here's the thing about Goodell. Goodell isn't paid to know anything. The Goodell, Goodell is paid to be the shield. Like he defends the shield. He is the shield. He is the shield that protects the owners from basically having anyone attack them personally. He takes all the slings and arrows and is get. I mean, at one point, I know he's being paid forty-four million dollars a year for that job. I, I know it's gone down since then at least temporarily went down, right? He gets paid $40 million a year to take all the slings and arrows that would be going to the owners otherwise. That's his entire job. He's not a good speaker. No. He's not particularly charismatic. He's, nobody thinks he does anything well except for people who think he punishes the Patriots. He's an idiot for when he does anything but punish the Patriots, right? So, like, his entire job is to look like a commissioner and take slings and arrows and do whatever the owners say. 
Well, then he then he's then he's done great. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's he's, he's doing. He was a Hall of Famer the moment he got the job. That's, that's, so how, that's how commissioners work with the NFL, right? Oh, because yeah, because their sports are so much better. We've got we already have yeah, an commissioner with a Hall of Famer, Gary Bettman. You know, Rob Manfred's going into the Hall of Fame. You know, it's happening. Well, I mean, if Bowie, Bowie Kuhn is in the Hall of Fame. I feel he's worse than. I feel that Bowie Kuhn overall is worse than Rob Manfred, although I think Bowie Kuhn actually liked baseball, but I think his time was easier for, to have baseball as like a major part of society than it is now. Although to be fair to baseball, their ratings are way up this year. That's true. So I don't know what Rob Manfred is doing. Um, That's why I said last, last time, last week, uh, my elevator down was Adam Silver. And a big part of that is ratings are down. Yeah, it's true. And that that's, and again, uh, why why is he the commissioner? Le- LeBron's the commissioner. Yeah, NFL. I mean the the NFL is really controlled by Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft. Both another two pair of future Hall of Famers. Well, Jones is a Hall of Famer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. Jones is in. Kraft is. Uh, going to be uh, it depends on how many more articles seth wickersham and uh rob van natta can come out about the patriots once one a couple more of those and maybe he gets out but their whole thing about uh how trump tried to bribe i i uh, read that one yeah yeah Interesting. And they're like the whole thing was like he tried to bribe him but they didn't but spec using anonymous sources inspector's son as their as their sources that uh, Spectre didn't take the bribe and the thing didn't stop. So while I don't put it past Trump for having tried to do that for his friend uh, Kraft, it didn't affect anything ultimately. No, No, it really didn't have a whole lot to do with it. In the grand spec of things, not that I want to get too political, is, is that even in the top 100 of Trump stories really? Can you imagine how different the world would be if they just let Trump buy the Buffalo Bills? Just think how different the world would be if they allowed that to happen. It's like it's like when the when the Cardinals cut Fidel Castro. <laughs> yeah, I learned that on a head of the class episode. Yeah, or or uh, Hitler got thrown out of uh, art school in Austria. So, but like like how how different the world would be if they just I mean again I'm not I'm not necessarily comparing the former president to either of those people, but I'm just saying in general. Of like world leaders who one thing had happened differently may have been in a different situation. So. Well, Trump, Trump will always be a very interesting character. Uh, I've never, well, whatever. I don't want to go into this. I, I really don't. We don't want to do a political show because it always winds up being that way. And yeah. let's, let's not turn off people. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so, so now we'll, that we've talked about good. Racism and Donald Trump and the show. Should we just talk about like I don't know we need something happy. Uh, 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 <laughs> the uh, United States Athletics Hall of Fame. Uh, vote for Mike Shashevsky if you feel like it. Absolutely, absolutely. And whether you're woke and whether you're not woke, we don't care. We've got opinions. Evan's got opinions. I've got opinions. Sometimes we agree with each other. Sometimes we don't. And the great thing is, it don't matter. 
this is the, the U.S. Hall of Fame, Athletic Hall of Fame is for all of you. It's for everybody. It's for whatever you, you want to vote for, and we want your opinions, good or bad. Bad ones come to me, but I'll take it. That's, all right. That's fine. It, it's, it's, meant, it's meant to be whatever you think it is. That's the, on, that's the best way I can sort of describe it. Agreed. Yeah. That said, that's a good people vote for. <laughs> oh, well, well we, 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 they can vote for whoever they want, really. I mean, as long as they're on the ballot, of course. Yeah. As long as you vote for Jim Thorpe, you're doing a good job. So. <laughs> I have to agree. vote for whoever you want. Vote for whoever you want in Jim Thorpe. That's all I'm saying. So. <laughs> Especially if you're and from maybe Baseball, Baseball, Pennsylvania. Yes, and maybe Babe D- Babe Diedrichson to Harry's. So, although I've been reading some stuff about her that's not very woke, but she lived in the 1930s. Nothing was woke, so I'm sure some things were woke in their own that's way. True. Some things were. Some things were woke in their own way. That is well, true. So George Washington for 1776 was colossally woke. Oh yeah, well that that's a thing. Everybody based on their time period. And that's makes what, a big difference. And that's what I think people don't do. And I think that's why. Oh shit! Let's go back to this. That's why I think you and I are so pissed off at this whole NFL concussion thing. Because mm-hmm. you can't even point it out. Like. Well, we were just doing it since the 50s, which is, would have been bad enough. But when you said like 2013, what, yes. decades after instituting the Rooney Rule? Which hasn't done much. I don't know if you've noticed. Well, not as much as it definitely was set out to. That, that's, that's for sure. I, I think there has been some strides, but, but not what... You, 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 you ready for a prediction? Hmm? You ready for a prediction? I'm looking at my crystal ball. Sure. The Pittsburgh Steelers mm-hmm. are going to go 3-13 and 13 this year, and Mike Tomlin's going to get fired. Wow. Okay. The Steelers are going to go 3-13, and 13, and, they're gonna, and Mike Tomlin's going to get fired. The most prominent African-American coach in the NFL. The Bengals will go 5-11 and 11 and be two games ahead of them. Mm-hmm. The, the the better in me is decide is was trying to think of like what odds can I sort of like push for that. But if, but if we want to go to like a whole, oh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I take that back. They won't go three and thirteen because there's 17 games this season. So <laughs> I'll, I'll give them four. I'll give them 13 losses. They're going four and thirteen. Because um, I was saying three and thirteen and four and twelve. So I'll give them four and thirteen. I don't think that. Oh. So, I don't think Tomlin would necessarily get fired though for that. Having said that, if you go four and twelve and keep going four and twelve, I don't care what color you are, you should be fired. Unless you're the coach of the Bengals, and then you get to be there forever. So, so, but anyway. All right. So next week we don't know what we have. Something will always come up because it always does. But the usual segments will be here. Evan will tell you who died. I'll tell you, an elevator up, an elevator down. Apparently, who died is part of my persona now. It's very strange. I think that should put that on your business card. Evan, who died, Nolan. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll also tell us the good. Hopefully, there'll be some good. 
the bad, the ugly, God knows what will happen. It's the playoffs. I'll definitely have somebody go elevator up, somebody go elevator down. Probably hockey elevator up, probably basketball elevator down. That's what I will say. I will say this. It's going to be interesting. Let's just say the Bruins advance. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much postseason stuff matters, but Tuka Rask is going to be moving up that all-time wins list for goalies pretty quickly. It should. It should. Yeah. It, it's, it, it'll be re- really interesting how a lot of this goes. And I think, in, I think we're looking at the two sports where it matters the most. You know, uh, in football, unless you're a quarterback, it doesn't. Right. Unless and, you're a quarterback or, you, or, you, or you're a defensive player who makes some spectacular play. I, I mean, I, f- I, feel like, I feel like Ty Law is in the Hall of Fame mostly because of his postseason performance more than anything else. That's true. Yeah, if you're a real special player, but generally a quarterback is always judged. Right. No, no, agreed. Yeah. No, no, one, no one judges an offensive lineman by whether or not they won the Super Bowl. No. I mean, we're going to have Joe Thomas get in probably in the first ballot, and he will have the worst winning percentage of any Hall of Famer, first ballot or any. I don't even have to look that up. I know what's got to be true. Joe, Joe Thomas, and Joe Thomas should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He was right. that good. The problem is when you're an offensive lineman, there's only so much you can control about, about that game. All right. All right. We're good. Stay safe, everybody. Good week, man.